0: Testing testing,
1: testing, 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 All right.
0: Do you mind just talking to your mic?
1: Testing, testing, testes. going to give you I'm a testing. little more juice. Okay. Andy,
2: talking to your mic testing. for me. Testing. I'm going to be extra loud. That's fine. Perfect. Yeah. All right. What is up, everybody?
0: Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth Podcast. We are here on Summer Porch Tour Live with Dr. Krim. Thank
1: you for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you guys. That's a- nice. yeah.
0: Dude, if I had money, this is the exact spread I would want.
2: Oh, this house?
1: Yeah, this, this is house is
0: literally perfect.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, first off, I, I, I did tell Robbie I was a little worried because I was like, the <laughs> driveway is long as hell. <laughs> and I go, Robbie, if we get murdered, my wife's going to be pissed. <laughs> but then we see, like, the sports car with taxation and theft sticker, and I'm like, okay, this guy rules. Yeah. And then, yeah, you showed us around, shotguns. I saw your smoker. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one of your... Uh, <laughs> runaways that live in the basement <laughs> now <That> sounds fine <laughs> yeah man come on in
0: i got to say the uh the murdery vibes of porch door have uh definitely decreased uh in that in the early years we were showing up to random spots i was just telling the other comics yeah yeah i know them we'll be fine don't worry and there were people i'd never met before who just sent me <laughs> pictures of their lawn uh now it seems like everyone's somewhat been vetted or within
2: is like within the circle of kind of who we know and like cool. enough people come too that where like if a murder happens, there's going to be enough witnesses. Someone and someone with a gun. There's enough people in yeah. the audiences with a
0: gun. Yeah, you they're know? pretty
2: safe at this point. Yeah, I feel that way. Because then when you first started them, there was like, you were literally like, "I'm gonna come over and we're just gonna chill."
0: Dude, the first one I did was in someone's like playhouse in their backyard or something. <laughs> you guys weird. would just do like a podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's grown over time. Now we do shows. We made an exception because I wanted to do an OG. Summer porch tour episode of just showing up and you know eating someone's barbecue.
1: Sounds good. I appreciate it. Can you tell Thank
0: me? Uh, I want to get into the barbecue game. Sure. How difficult is it to like figure out how to make a decent brisket?
1: So uh, tonight will be an experiment because um, it's it's been a challenge. It's definitely been a learning curve. So the first one I made was not edible. The second one was pretty good, and uh, and hopefully tonight's will be great. So, mm-hmm. but in case it it's shit. Uh, we have the burgers that back up, and my burgers are on point.
2: When you say not edible, like literally, it was like chewing on it's leather. Oh, interesting. Because I, I always thought doing barbecue and all that, it's just like even when you mess up, you still have like some decent, bu- but now knowing <laughs> you got to be careful, it might
1: turn into leather. Yeah, so brisket's tough because it gets dried out, like if you don't. Do it correctly so what do you do, you do to, to avoid getting it dried out so one of the things is and there's yes, there'll be a lot of debate so and i'm not a pro by any means but um there's debate at what temperature you should wrap it up in in an aluminum foil and usually i use a little uh sort of sprinkle some um olive oil vinegar on it while it's cooking and stuff have
0: you had any of those moments where you served a brisket and had to pretend
2: like it was good
1: Yes. Like,
0: it
2: was just, like, overly chewy.
1: Like, this is great, right? That's a great
2: move, by the way. Invite people over, intentionally make shitty food, and then, like, be like, how is it? And just glare at them. I mean, if you're a serial killer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean.
0: But do you, you, like, even with your own (laughs) friend, like, I would would be, like, bugged out. Like, shit, I serve bad food. You would get a kick out of it.
2: No, no. Actually, truth be told, I would be so anxious because I'm like, they need to know. I can fucking cook. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cooking is like an intimate
0: thing where you want to impress people with what you've made. So, so yeah,
1: that's why, go. that's why I made the burgers because I know, I know that those will be great because I've done it enough. Um, but so we'll see how the brisket turns out for sure.
0: I gotta say underrated side or to me, the most underrated side for brisket is, uh, like a good cabbage, like not quite coleslaw, more of like in like a vinegar style coleslaw.
1: Well, Laura made that. Hell yeah. Best day (laughs) of my life. What are we doing
2: podcasting here when we could be eating brisket with coleslaw? Yeah. We could combine them and they could watch us get the itis. Yeah. That would be tight.
0: Oh, yeah. We're we're moving in, so it's not even naps on the couch. We do live here now. (laughs) I forgot to tell you that. Uh, So I thought it would be fun for the episode to bring out the least uh, healthy person I knew. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe Andy. we can figure out how to fix Andy. <laughs> yeah, I'd
2: All like right. to. So my goal is to make it to the end of the week. How do we <laughs> do
1: this? To make it to the end of the week? Well, you have what, like six hours left? Oh, maybe sure. okay, eight. Get, okay, maybe <laughs> I, I could probably make it to
2: the end of the day. Yeah, Let's yeah, try yeah. next week. All
1: right, <laughs> to make it to the end of next week um to be healthy i think it's just making um smart lifestyle choices mm-hmm. so um
2: because it's more of like a it's, it's not like you can't just have that one quick thing it's all it's more about like long-term would you recommend yeah. honey buns for a hangover because that was andy's move uh,
1: honey buns for a hangover i'm not sure i've heard of that usually it did, it
2: did feel
0: great you should actually start a brand andy's andy's uh um hangover cures yeah and it's like geared for hangovers i've actually seen hostess and now has like donuts with caffeine in it really yeah i no haven't sure. tried them yet but they have like uh now donuts that have like a full cup of. so i guess you don't get sleep it's like having a vodka red bull like you can consume I, it dude, not old. get sleepy i've huh?
1: had espresso brownies and they were fucking that sounds in. delicious yeah, that's, but that's a amazing. flavor that makes sense yeah this is just adding caffeine yeah, to yeah,
0: a yeah. blueberry donut. That, that's
2: my favorite type of uh marketing or not marketing but just like making shit where you're like Fuck it. Put the fucking (laughs) caffeine in the donut. I don't know, dude. Let's see if it works.
0: Just add it. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, no, so we do want to drill you with some doctor questions. Hit me. So let's start with, this is the most interesting topic to me. I don't know if anyone still cares, but you're on the front lines of medicine. Any more vaccine injuries to report to us? Anything else that you may have seen or not anything that you would like?
1: Not, not, so for me, I really haven't seen... For me personally, I haven't seen any vaccine injuries and the COVID that I've seen has not been bad. Now, my wife would tell you a different story because she was or for the vaccines for COVID because oh, okay. she was working front lines. And right. so there was a lot, but mostly it's sort of the people that they that, that you would expect. Right. So people with underlying medical conditions, people with um, who are older and stuff. And they, they were hit pretty hard. Um, but, you know, young and healthy not too much. But
0: now it seems it's funny cuz now they're almost reporting that that hey, over 65, but it seems like we're kind of at the same place we were a year ago.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think I think the culture has kind of changed in medicine as well. I mean, right. you see less people uh doing being as concerned about it as Oh, know. no,
0: it's finally transitioned that everyone's kind of like, hey, we're done with this. Right. Uh, but it's interesting because I think they said that we're at five times more infections than we were at this time last year. And that's with less testing, because now it, it, like they didn't, they're they not pushing for testing in the same way. I do think we're at less deadly variants, but you're kind of at the exact same place of the the, peop- the older people that the vaccines were supposed to protect. It's not really doing all that much for them.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's as. You, yeah. I mean, you can get the vaccine and still get sick, obviously. So. Right. Um, you know, and the and the new boosters, I think um, they're not even recommending about, it. Well, they, they the protection is what six weeks? Is that right? All right, so about fingers crossed oh, that six, at six weeks, six <laughs> six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking for my backup there. So, but um, yeah, because my wife, as I said, is a doctor as well. So she. I just pretend like I'm a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so they don't last. And how long that immunity lasts, who knows?
0: And now they're finally talking about that. It's not just the uh, you'd have to help me out on this. It's not just the immunity, but it's also the T cells and the other stuff. And so, well, this was something we were talking about a year ago that the single protein spike isn't (laughs) going to help for the variants. Right. And then Pfizer had a funny story. where like, well, we're going to come out with boosters specific for the variants. And I guess they just shelved that concept because it doesn't appear to be happening at least as of yet
1: so that would make the most sense if you really were going to develop a vaccine you would develop sort of like along the lines of the flu vaccine so people get the flu vaccine you know every year there's a different variant and you try and guess it so typically the for the flu it starts what around new zealand australia in that area and then it moves west and so they have some lead time to be able to develop whatever vaccine they think is whatever a vaccine for whatever so like variant like a demon it come just in. comes out of the woods yeah, of New Zealand yeah, yeah, yeah. and starts exactly. traveling why does, it,
0: why does it start there just seasonal
1: i guess i would think so you know it's somewhere in in that area and then it just sort of slowly moves around the globe for during the flu season so
0: but every year like whatever the flu variant is kind of gets kick started in New Zealand
1: well i don't know that that is 100% New Zealand. It could be Australia. It could be somewhere in the some of the Pacific Islands or Indonesia. So wait, every time Indonesia. I
2: get the sniffles, it's because New Zealand can't hold their shit? <laughs> that's, that's probably correct. Damn. New Although,
1: I got to give a shout out because we lived in New Zealand for a year. and And it Beautiful. is fucking amazing. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's where all the rich people buy their emergency houses.
1: You can't buy an emergency. You, unless you, you're in New you Zealand. You got to be super rich. Well, no. Unless you're a New Zealand citizen, they don't let you buy land. There. Yeah, you why don't they land. want
0: new people in New Zealand?
1: They are, it's racist. it's really, yeah. Well, no, do you want to hear a story? It's so, what every country is. Yeah, we just yeah. pretend
0: not like, Japanese don't like immigrants. Like, every country's yeah. kind of yeah. xenophobic. It's the way the world is.
1: Yeah, when we were living there, they uh, a lot of the migrant workers in New Zealand are actually um, Asians, mostly Southeast Asian. Right. And so um one of the prime uh one of the what do they call them master mps members of parliament said something like well we have to have them come because they can pick the kiwis the best because their hands are so small oh. <laughs> yes <dude. laughs> the very they have the most delicate hands and so like yeah so he was arguing for immigration but in a very uh, no. very racist way <laughs>
2: hey man it's uh it's practical it, like the main, the main crux of his argument they're like they, they got them tiny hands.
1: <laughs> that I was mean, the main that. crux of his I've argument. I've been uh, yeah.
0: arguing for that for Asian massage parlors, so you know it's a similar argument. Mm. Exactly, dude. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. one's got those soft, delicate hands. Yeah, quite, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, next doctor question I had for you is, I've noticed, at least in my own town, a change in... Uh, well, I, I, the, the starting point for me would be, I don't know if you ever read it, but George Reisman's got a great essay on healthcare, and he talks about... Mm. That the two biggest drivers of healthcare costs are one that we created insurance, and he kind of breaks down how insurance drives up healthcare costs, uh, and then two he talks about licensing laws.
1: Well, so both of those probably have a role. There's there's the biggest costs in medicine are at the beginning of life and at the end of life, right? right? And so and in insurance is if you track, so Lyndon Johnson sort of started Medicaid Medicare all that kind of stuff. And if you look at the rate of rise of the cost in medicine since that creation, it's, it's uncomparable to as if, you look at it before the creation of Medicaid and Medicare. So
0: you're saying it rose higher than inflation. Right. Right. And,
1: and so one of the things, if you look at uh, something in medicine that has not risen that, and that's mostly cash pay, is plastic surgery. Right. So the costs in plastic surgery have remained, have risen with—
0: Because there's no insurance in that market. Right.
1: So a lot of it is you're, you're paying cash And government's pay. not going to pay for it. Exactly.
0: Oh, so is the biggest thing that when you have the backdrop of basically government-supported demand— so it, 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 it there's a minimum threshold for pricing that the government's going to support, which means that you can't really have prices coming down.
1: Well, yes and no. But you, but think about this. So think about let's think about what motivates people. So what motivates people is money or or to get money to gain to gain power to gain wealth. And so if you think about it, so the government comes out with Medicaid, and Medicare, Medicare especially. And so you have doctors in the late 60s were like, "Hey, here's this whole new source of revenue." Whereas before, if let's say let's say Andy came to me as a patient and I knew Andy, I was his family doc since he was like a little kid. And he's like, "Hey, I'm really having trouble, blah blah blah." You know, maybe I'll charge him a discounted rate or just right. waive my fee or do something like that. But what happens is when you have insurance as a role, that's a third party. So it's not just me and Andy, now it's me, Andy and the government or me, Andy and the private insurer. Right. So now I'm like, well, fuck it. I can charge whatever I want because right. it's not Andy that's going to have to pay it. It's the insurance company. And so now there's a constant battle between sort of physicians and insurers about how much the market can handle, right? So, um, like you'll, in the beginning when Medi- Medicare was first formed, doctors would just raise their prices through the roof because, right. again, it's not Andy paying for right. it, it's not Robbie paying for it, it's the government, the government. paying for it, right? Take so it's, it's, it's the same, think of it as, as sort of like what happens with student loans. It's the same thing, right? right?
0: It, you Basically, uh, the way I've described it, you're just creating credit asset bubbles. You're making yeah. more money available for whoever's, whoever has the product. So they just go, oh, there's more money available. I can charge more for this now. This right. is great. You yeah. don't actually help anyone. So the example that uh, Rys- or, uh, Reisman uses is like if we all went to a restaurant and we're going to split the bill – so if I walked into a restaurant with 40 people and I might go, oh, I'm just going to eat bread because I don't have any money. Yeah. But if I know that I have to pay for your steak, I'm like, well, then I'm going to order a steak. Right. And so yeah. everyone's kind of demanding the best or more than what they need at every time because they're not actually paying out of pocket for it. And the result is just ever increasing costs.
1: Yeah. And that's part of it. And then there's also become like an over-reliance on testing. And some of that also has to, so yes, I agree with that. But, but one of the other things is if you think about like legal action, like if you get sued for malpractice, you're not facing a jury of your peers. You're not right. facing other physicians. Right. And so like, there's a fear of, of missing something. Let's say a patient shows up and you're like, well, there's a saying in medicine when you hear hoofbeats, it's horses, right. not zebras. But we have to be afraid of the zebras because if you miss a zebra and something bad happens,
0: Well, that's been my experience when I see doctors is that it's a mixture of they can bill for tests, so they might as well. And then it's also they have to protect themselves from any liability, almost like beyond what you would uh, feel was even at risk. You know what I mean? Like, cause that 1% that right. one, or like the 0.1% that they miss can be unbelievably expensive. I don't know, Rob, if I was a doctor and I saw your bald head, I'd order every <laughs> test. There you go. <laughs> Make sure. Absolutely. No, cause I, I, that, that has been my experience is kind of, you get these tests run and then you get the bills in the mail and you're like, what the fuck is this? Right. Yeah. And then your insurance company, you know, the, at a minimum, they're going to leave you to do the paperwork or to reach out to them about why they didn't cover it. And then you end up with the medical bill that you never pay, and your uh, credit goes to shit.
2: That's my experience. (laughs) I mean, I just had that when I broke my pinky, and I got the, I got the medical bill for the fucking ambulance. And you took
1: an ambulance for a broken pinky?
2: It was a workplace thing. (laughs) <laughs> so they had to do the They had ambulance. And he's ambulance. fat, and they put him in it. He couldn't walk? No, it just yeah. showed no, up, and got, he's like, all right, I guess got, this is my ride it now. It sliced open. There was a lot right, of blood. It right. was pretty icky. Okay. All mean, right, know, right, it. Right. It pre- no, but it was a workplace <laughs> thing, so like they had to do... But the ambulance ride was just a ride to the hospital, uh, yeah, and I got the, I, got the, I got the bill. It was like three grand.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was. So along the
0: lines, though, of what you were talking about with the insurance, I found in my own town... There used to be all, like, independent doctors. Now they're all under the hospital, and I think that's as a result of the insurance costs.
1: So not so much. So a lot of it has to do with regulation, right? So it's everybody is supposed to be on – Uh, electronic medical record everybody's supposed to have like malpractice costs everybody's supposed to have and if you add up all the costs it's very 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 difficult to be a private physician and cover those costs right so if you have your own practice and you have to cover malpractice and you want to get an electronic medical record and you want to stay up to date and all the mandates that come down from government it it, it almost kills you to 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 meet that demand Um, and then the other thing that I want to say regarding like ambulances and your pinky so people think, people think that the AMA is like the doctor's union and the AMA, American Medical Association, is not the doctor's union. Um, I don't belong, my wife doesn't belong. Um, I think probably less than a third of physicians actually belong to the AMA. But the AMA writes what they call the RVU codes. So if you show up with to my office and you have a broken pinky and I look at you and I say you have a broken pinky, here's some buddy tape, just tape them two together, that's a $600 charge. Now, if you're an uh, elderly patient with dementia, heart disease, diabetes, everything else, the highest charge that Medicare will reimburse for that, if I spend you know, 30, 40 minutes with you, is $100. So the incentives are wrong. So that's why people don't go into primary care or internal medicine or pediatrics because you're, you're paid less. And you, in my opinion, do more of the challenging work. Like it's challenging to get people to want to, like, you know, it's easy to throw pills at people. Right. You can get them in and out fast. Here's a pill for your diabetes. Here's a pill for your cholesterol. It's hard to spend time with the patient. and Say, look, let's look at your lifestyle. Let's look at the factors that are creating these underlying circumstances. And let's go from there.
0: So uh, just to go back to yeah, if you had something, go for it.
2: Oh, no, no. I when you said that, it re- I remember when I was like out of college and I, I was feeling depressed and I went to the doctor and I told him about it, I barely talked to me i said i literally was like i'm feeling sad and he's like all right i'm gonna put you on this have a good day right so it is right yeah and
0: and by the way the idea of talking to anyone about their sadness without finding out their sleeping eating and drinking habits and exercise habits is literally insane yeah yeah Uh, they didn't ask me any of that i'm not saying that there isn't depression and maybe medication can help someone but if you haven't had a conversation with wait so you're up till four in the morning playing video games you're drinking you never exercise and you're eating mcdonald's every day Why don't we start with that Yeah
2: 100% I literally just started doing CrossFit with my wife And I noticed A tiny Like a tiny uh, The belly getting a little smaller Nice And immediately boosted my mood For the rest of the day
1: That's awesome Yeah
2: it's yeah, because things like that. And also, if you eat shitty, it like can make you lethargic and fucking sad and shit.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, like you know, food is medicine, and like your lifestyle is is medicine. And and then and then the other thing too is like some people come from really really shitty circumstances, and to just walk into a room and and write a prescription without sitting down and talking to them, like who knows what's going on? You know, maybe maybe you know they've been raped, maybe they've been have a shitty marriage. Maybe there's a hundred possible things that could be going on. But unless you sit down and take the time to talk to a patient, mm-hmm. you're never going to find that stuff. out.
0: Right. And we know that there's a mental element. So the Absolutely. idea that you're just going to like have a conversation, for example, oh, you got high blood pressure, here's a medication. And like we'll go extreme example, you were raped last week. Yeah. Well, then maybe you don't need a pill that's going to pre- maybe you got to like be seeing
2: someone to address the fact that you just had a traumatic incident. Right. And, and I remember on top of that, they give me the pill. They give me the the prescription, and then they're like, "All right, we'll see you in like we'll see you in three months, and we'll adjust it from there." So it's just like the most hands off version of that, right? Yeah.
0: Bill, all right. So what you were talking about with um, it, I, I guess that it was uh, there's so many costs on like the, it's almost like a compliance game that there's so many compliance costs that it's very hard to be an independent practitioner. Uh, so to my eye, that also kind of creates the environment where. Uh, and I think y- maybe you saw a little bit of this with like COVID treatment that you kind of can't go. Hey, I think that these other medications might help you stay out of the hospital, like an ivermectin or a hydroxychloroquine. Like it was very much so. Hey, there's one approach to medicine, and since everyone's kind of within these systems that you got to be with your with working with your hospital, and you can't afford to be an independent practitioner, it's kind of top down orders. So that that would be my macro view. So I hand it back to you. Have you seen a change in medicine over the last 30 years that would get in the way of better care because of kind of, you know, the conglomeration of independent doctors under, like, you know, single larger entities?
1: So I think it depends on the entity to some. So I I would say that there are definitely sort of predatory organizations that um, sort of are they 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 want medicine to be cookie cutter, right? Where everybody practices the same way and everybody does the same thing, um, but not fortunately not all of them are like that. W- um, but it um, the ability to practice independently and still be supported um, is is becoming rare and rare. So it, I guess yes, I think there's been a change in that. Um, one of the examples that I'll, I'll give. Um, is I did work for a, um, a group that saw there used to be a lot of places where you could go that would just give free care, so in inner cities. And those have turned into what they call um, FQHCs, which stands for Federally Qualified Health Care Center. Um, and so they're all driven by rules-based care. Um, so now, you know, they you can call up, let's say a patient goes into one of those centers and might need – uh, something done with their heart. Well, then, then you're waiting till the doctor can see you. Whereas, you know, when I did it, when it was, you know, um, free care or you were doing sort of charity work, you know, I could call up a pick up the phone, call my local surgeon, say, "Hey, Doc Krim, John, his house burned down, his going kids sick, he lost his job, he has no money. Can you just take him in and do the surgery and get him fixed? Sure, no problem. And you'd weigh those costs." But now waiving those costs, like let's say you came in and I didn't – it's not just overcharging that they're looking at. Theoretically, undercharging is also fraud. So if you came in and had a long laundry list of problems and I was like, dude, Robbie can't pay for this bill, and I would downcode the visit, um, they would look yeah, at that it's as that, fraud.
0: It's that weird thing where they want everything in the system. Like they'll yeah. claim like we'll help you out, but we, they want to be able to make the evaluation of what, what you should be receiving help for.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. And so in terms of like alternative drugs, like that was one of those things that, you know, and, and you've seen the studies and the data and there's been a lot of talk about that, you know, and you never really know, like, I don't think anything ever got to the point where it was tested enough. And and so for me, science is one of those things where you should always be willing to question and always be willing to ask questions and to always look for the alternatives. I mean, one of the classic cases is like H. pylori, right? So that the, the, there was a doctor that truly believe that H pylori uh well that there was a bacteria that caused stomach ulcers and nobody believed him so he actually ate um it wasn't people say he ate fecal material it wasn't it was a culture from something he got from fecal material and he swallowed that and developed a stomach ulcer that's how so um, and then he treated it to yeah, prove right. that that he had a treatment for it right yeah so like you have to be willing to question always willing to grow like I don't think in medicine like the the one of the biggest changes is the, when i started practice to where i know now we treat things vastly different right? right um and so i think that will continue to happen and so to say this is it this is all there is it's uh, that's not reality and it shouldn't be reality because if it is then i then i weep for future generations because <laughs> you're we're going to just still be practicing medicine the same way as we did now
0: got it all right so now i wanted to hit you with some specific bad habits that me and andy have oh, um all right. because no because i do find sometimes when you have the education of exactly what the consequences of what you're doing sure then you could be like all right well i shouldn't do that so we'll start with this one i'm a big pre-bed eater like, and when I say a pre-bed eater, I mean, like, cause I don't like eating when I'm out. Uh, so I'll wait till I get home, which is sometimes late at night. And then I eat a big ass meal. Yeah. Uh, how bad is that for my health? Like what, what is going wrong when I do that?
1: So you really want to have those calories. I mean, so if you're, so if you're doing something like intermittent fasting, you really want to have those calories kind of earlier in the day cause it right. gives you the fuel. And if you're eating in bed, well then you're just sleeping. And so your metabolic rate decreases. So you're not going to process those calories as well as if you would eat them earlier in the day. Right. So you'll, it'll just contribute to abdominal fat and for men. That's one of the things that causes a lot of heart disease, diabetes, things like that.
0: So, it, you end up storing, but like, let's say you don't eat breakfast type thing.
1: Does that. So, not eating breakfast is fine. They used to say you have to have breakfast, but right. like, you should try and get those calories in at least, I'd say, five, five, four to five hours before you go to bed.
0: And eating a giant meal before bed and then not eating breakfast doesn't balance out?
1: It does not balance out in the same way. Because if you think about it, all of us have what we call. Now there's a way to cheat that a little bit. Oh well, So yeah. all of us, like ha- so all of us have a, a- <laughs> So all of us have a what we call a resting metabolic rate. That's right. why you see someone and you eat the same thing as they do day and day and you're skinny and they get fat or overweight. Um, so that's the difference in your basal metabolic rate. Now, so how do you change that? Is you lift weights. The more muscle you have the higher your metabolic rate is, just sitting still, and the basal metabolic rate is, is the rate at which you burn calories just sitting still.
2: Really? Uh-huh? So there is a w- okay. So there is a way to boost your metabolism.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Is I mean, there? A, c- uh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So like, there's cheats too. Like you can do it through caffeine or other things like that. Some of the weight loss drugs do it. But like the easiest, well, not the easiest, because it's hard work to to work yeah. out. But is you know the more muscle so, mass you have, right. the higher your metabolic. So what are rate. the
0: other chemicals other than just putting on some muscle that will boost the me- metabolic rate? Was that the word?
1: Yeah. So caffeine, okay, methamphetamines, Adderall. Like right. now you don't want to start doing meth though, because right. then your teeth will fall out, and so you might be good at uh, an only fans gig for that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, probably wouldn't long
0: term. Adderall is bad
1: so i'm not big fan so there's been a push you know since um since we really decreased um how much we're prescribing narcotics as 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 a right um that i've seen an increase in the use of things like um like adderall and ritalin and i think long term that that doesn't give you good effects i mean it's going to have cardiac effects especially as you get older right it's going to predispose you to what we call arrhythmias irregular heartbeats and other, other big things picture. tell so me nice if so. I'm wrong on this big right.
0: picture. I find that essentially the way that the adderals and the Ritalin work is that they are triggering your adrenaline gland that they're replicating. Cause I have ADD. And so if things are going haywire, it's exciting. So what it's doing, it's like triggering your brain chemistry is if you're like in a catastrophic zone, even though you're just sitting down doing a spreadsheet. So all of a sudden the shit that your brain would never do, you can actually handle. But the negative effect of that seems to be that it just like depletes kind of like adrenaline and other chemicals without like a a, a good way of kind of like uh, you know what i mean like it just kind of like targets particular chemicals and burns them almost like if you did ecstasy you feel real good but the next day you've kind of burned through a lot of your dopamine and serotonin
1: sure so um
0: am i am i right at all on that or am i just totally
1: no so so like people with ADD there's a there's a curve right and so it's like a, a, a like a parabolic curve, right? So it goes up, like there's some people at the 98th percentile and sometimes uh, some people at the second percentile and then there's people in the middle. And so people with ADD actually have less adrenaline release, right? Right. And so by giving them the uh, that kick through uh, things like Adderall actually moves them into the normal space. Oh,
0: so it's almost like a person with low testosterone. Right. Exactly. Oh, so the ADD that you're experiencing might be that you actually have your body's not releasing enough adrenaline.
1: Yeah, that there's some other chemicals involved right. too. So, yeah, I should have prepared on that. I didn't know. No, we were that's all right. I that. mean, we're, so, we're free will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yes, but basically it moves you. Let's say you're in the second percent; it'll move you more in like the fortieth or fiftieth. Now, percentile. if that was true, uh,
0: theoretically, isn't that something then chemically you could test for? Because it would seem to me like the ADD thing; it's more the checklist system. It is a checklist which system, which is which is bullshit, dude. You it can give me bullshit. literally any check, and then also the drug companies; they literally, uh, uh, through the what is it, the MSDMR or whatever that thing is, but they they lobby so the dsm for dsm thank you i yeah. knew it was a bunch of letters msd <laughs> i was close yeah. uh they lobby for basically the less things on the checklist like if you get a 15 point score now you get diagnosed and then the shire they're a bunch of evil motherfuckers they started pitching even taking it for weight loss which three or four years ago would have been abuse of the medicine right um but anyways back to what we're saying Instead of a checklist system, if it's a function of adrenaline, couldn't you do, like, a testosterone test and just go away? Hey. I'm sure
1: there would be a way to test it, but That's I sure don't your think next there clinic, is a dude. test. Yeah, maybe could, it you should. You bypass
2: yeah. all these. Uh, go for it. Oh, no, I was very curious about the the thing you were saying about with, like, when you have ADD or ADHD with the adrenaline, is it you're not wait, – wait, so which? how does the adrenaline then affect you not being able to pay attention? Is like so, you're not able to get – not, yeah,
1: yeah. so you're like scatterbrain it usually means you don't have enough going on that to get the brain to work in its normal function range so by giving you a, a little bit more it moves you more towards the normal range whereas people if they're in the normal range take it they might go onto more more of the hyper range and to get scattered so you, it's a range right th- and you want to be sort of somewhere in that 50 like probably like the 40 to 60 percent range to be are there quote ways quote, to normal?
2: boost your, like, adrenaline on your own? Well, sort of like, you know... Yeah, so there's
1: a lot of behavioral health. They do, like, cognitive behavioral therapy and um, dialectic therapy and things like that that can sort of help non-chemically get okay. you out of the ADD. And usually ADD is not a diagnosis of uh, um, a single diagnosis. Usually people who have ADD also have other underlying, which would be dsm four categories. Although... The funny thing is, is in college, I, I uh, had a course that was taught... Do you know who Thomas Zatz is? No. So he, wrote, he was a big believer that all mental illness is a myth. And I okay. a class taught oh, by his daughter. Oh, did he write daughter. the book, The Myth of Mental Illness? Yeah, I've read exactly did. half of it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to finish that book. It's yeah. one of the ones that I read half. and. Yeah. So yeah. I don't agree with him completely. Right. But you know, his point in that is that there's no such thing as mental illness. It's just who they are as a person, right? And so we... Mental illness is defined by someone who falls out of what we call societal norms. Right. Right. Well,
0: that's like uh, Doug Stanhope has a great – it's his best bit. If you've never heard it, just go check it out. It's on No Refunds. All right. Uh, And I believe that What's-His-Name also had a similar bit. But anyways, uh, that they'll keep all the drugs legal that keep you producing. Yeah. And that, like, you know, you, you might just be describing what's an interesting character trait. That they're basically medic- medicating so that you can work a boring office job.
1: Sure. Now, there's truly some people who I would say are, are definitely mm- fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: But a lot of those people who are crazy, and I, 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 I uh, this is not an absolute, and I'm not saying that medication couldn't help them, especially for shorter periods of time and developing better habits. Uh, but I think for a lot of them, they embrace their crazy. And then it becomes more of, like, the natural state and the cycles that they live within. As, more than it's, like, really a chemically induced, uh, you know. And I'm not saying that you can't – if you were to break out of kind of the cycles that you're in w- with medication, that might help you. But it doesn't I, – I, I don't know. I feel like I've interacted – I mean, I've never lived in a mental institution, so I haven't dealt with people that are that crazy, you know, mm. on that level. Sure. But it does seem to me like sometimes people uh, – embrace their crazy a little bit or like when they're feeling good they're partying harder you know what i mean like there's some things that you can kind of do that will amplify the cycles that you're living in sure
1: like you're talking sort of more like a bipolar patient like that that is in sort of a manic stage and then when you're in that manic stage you feel on top of the world and everything is great and you can't do anything wrong and you're the best person your shit doesn't stink And that, but that really, the crash after that is, is pretty awful for them. So, um, but like when I was in medical school, I worked at a VA hospital and that was some of the saddest mental illness I've ever seen.
0: Because that's all like the PTSD,
1: PTSD. Yeah. I saw there was a African-American black guy. He uh, was in Vietnam, and he believed he was Richard the Lionhearted, and he believed he was white. I know it's kind right. of funny, and it's you terrible. you do no, it's all right to laugh because if you don't laugh, sometimes you'll cry. Right, and and but he he got admitted because he took a wire brush because and scraped all of his skin off because he wasn't black he thought he was white yeah. yeah and then there was another guy who believed he was still in the war zone and sometimes he was fine but sometimes he'd walk down the hall bobbing and weaving and if you didn't bob and weave with him he'd tackle you to the ground And not because he wanted to hurt you. He wanted you to be safe. Right. Exactly. I just saw
2: a video of that. It's intense. There was a dude who had a flashback while they were just going to, like, the supermarket. And he's, like, crouched down. And, like, people are trying to help him. But they're like, nope. They're like, you got to take it slow. And this is a big deal. Do those
0: guys also take hallucinogenics? Because I I, I had a kid that I had met who ended up in a mental institution because he was convinced. He took, like, acid for too many days in a row. And he thought he was a famous rapper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like he totally, like, I Um, guess, I don't know what he unlocked in his brain, but he thought that he was a famous rapper. Yeah,
1: I'm sure there's some psychosis that can be unlocked by that stuff. We we don't know. I mean, so Johns Hopkins and and MAPS uh, is doing a lot of work on sort of the psychedelics and stuff. And so they're using them now for treatment um for certain for actually for ptsd but but we just don't know enough because they've been and that's the other thing like you know they were banned for so long that the research really hasn't been done so right what the harms are and what the good things are that can come of them we don't have enough data so
0: andy any uh specific activities that you engage
2: in that you're curious to know how harmful they are uh it's most of the shit uh (laughs) no i'm trying to think well how bad's boozing
1: well it'll it'll put pounds on and over time like that's a terrible way to die is so if you really really drink hard and you drink hard consistently it's going to mess up your liver and dying from uh uh, liver failure is a miserable way to go What,
0: what level of alcoholism do you have to be at though to hit that
1: it really depends on, on some of it, some of its genetic right um you can y- you could drink for years and years and then suddenly your liver goes but then the other thing that can happen is you get a disease called w- wernicke-korsakoffs and that affects your brain and it makes you uh, ca- it's called confabulation where you just make up stories that you think are true like say saying you're a famous so you rapper Breusher. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you just become awesome. Cause you think that, like, everything's happening. They're very interesting like, no, to listen to. No, no, uh,
0: no. Hate on Bert He's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but No, what you really then need is you need a dad that's an alcoholic, so he can plow forward and tell you what your personal threshold is.
1: So yeah, that would give you sort of the genetic like basis, it. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could you could figure it out from there.
0: Yeah. But like, let's say uh, you're like me and Andy. You have one or two drinks on your on your weekdays, maybe as much as four. And then weekends are out doing comedy and maybe you hit like a six or seven threshold.
2: Yeah, that's no, that's a yeah. What if you're not if you're drinking every day, but you're not getting like lit drunk every day. You're
0: having a beer or two.
1: So they'll say like the standard and is probably more is, is say, I think it's for men, it's somewhere between 10 and 14 a week. And for women, it's between seven and 10 um and if you drink more than that you're put in the quote-unquote alcoholic class but I, I really do think it's not as simple as that i think it's different for every person right mm-hmm. um and it depends also on what you drink let's say like you're drinking beer well that's going to have a lot of more calories right. and that's going to put on abdominal fat which can lead to metabolic syndromes where your cholesterol goes off your sugar goes off all that stuff Whereas if you're having like a standard drink of like a, a whiskey or a rye or something like that, that's less likely to cause, that's less calories that are going in. Right. So, but, but long-term alcohol use, if you keep it to one or two a day, you're probably fine. If you're hitting it hard on the weekends and it's an like a couple weekends, it's fine. But if it's like every weekend, then it's probably not as good.
2: Do those rules apply for smoking cigs too?
1: So for cigarettes like if you if you're smoking when you're drinking you I don't know that there's enough data I mean basically if someone sees you smoking a cigarette you know they're going to nowadays they'll yell at you right but and then there's always the cases but yeah well let's go back so so um, nicotine's an interesting drug we brought up before I mean there's some data that says it might protect against some um, Alzheimer's or, or Parkinson's. Now other people will say, well, it protects against Alzheimer's because it kills you before you can get it. <laughs> mm, so, um, right. uh, the stuff that's in nicotine and stuff that's in a cigarette is probably the stuff that's really bad for you. Um, so all the, all the stuff that goes into the making of the cigarette and things like that, those things that you're breathing in and sucking in are really but not th- good. theoretically
0: If you were just like on nicotine lozenges for life, that's probably not a bad stimulant. It's like <laughs> coffee.
1: So it, it's probably, it's, Probably not bad, but again, just like, and, and even coffee itself. So let's say coffee, Adderall, nicotine, they're all stimulants. Right. Um, nicotine is very, very addictive. Um, and so the the thing with nicotine is long term is is it can affect your heart and it can affect electrical pathways in the heart and more likely to cause arrhythmias. Same thing as like Adderall or 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 too much caffeine. Like if you I already can, have
0: a murmur, so I might knock it back into a normal rhythm.
1: Yeah, maybe. So a murmur is different than an abnormal rhythm, though. No,
0: I thought that's what it is. I thought of like an uh-uh. offbeat. No. Should no, a heard? murmur
1: is like your heart goes lub dub lub dub, right? right? And so an arrhythmia is lub dub lub dub lub dub 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 right it just <laughs> it adds an extra beats, beats yeah. right whereas a murmur is lub dub lub shh lub shh right it lub-sh. takes breaks well no it's just an extra sound it's like turbulence in a creek right. so the there usually means like there's some sort of valve disease where the blood's not flowing normally
2: you think i got shitty valves You could have a shitty (laughs) valve.
1: You might need an oil change. Go
2: for it, Andy. I have a question. Let's say, theoretically, someone on this podcast recently found out he has sleep apnea. And he really doesn't want to get a CPAP machine because he still wants to fuck his wife. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What would be some good steps to not have to get a CPAP machine?
1: Hardcore exercise and weight loss. That's probably the best thing. And there's actually a new uh, medical procedure, and I don't know enough about it. But it's called Inspire, where they put in a device, implantable device, in the back of your throat. It's a surgery, and um, it it that sounds way creepier. Yeah, but apparently you, it works.
0: CPAP machine. My my dad has one. First thing, my dad loudest snore you he ever heard, and it was great as a kid because like if you're trying to like sneak around in the house, you knew that he was asleep. Yeah. Oh, like, and yeah, you could like time yeah, it to his snore. Like his yeah, yeah. snore like reverberated through the <laughs> you're whole house. on the Oh snores. my god, he was the loud fucking <laughs> snore. Uh, but. I the way I'm claustrophobic, the idea of going to sleep with a thing over my head that like could turn off
2: or someone could fuck with like that,
1: that yeah. sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I just worry too because like, I move around Or I should say this guy theoretically moves around a lot <laughs> when he sleeps Yeah, And it's just I know you gotta like sit there and like lock in And
0: Well the problem with the sleep apnea though Is that you're never getting the REM sleep So it makes it harder to right. make those lifestyle improvements yeah, it Because is. you're not really ever rested
1: So if the guy on the podcast Who was <laughs> diagnosed with sleep apnea Would use a CPAP device That guy would probably find You're sleeping better And because you're sleeping better you're more awake during the day and you increase your metabolic rate. And most people who go on a CPAP device actually end up losing weight.
0: Yeah. Because I, I find like on the nights when I don't sleep, you end up chasing carbs more yep. because you're irritable you're and yep. like you're looking for. And then if you need the CPAP machine, I, I assume your entire life is almost in that groove of like not really having gotten in sleep.
1: Yeah, I mean it it definitely would probably help And the other thing is it would probably uh, help with um, Especially if you want to sleep with your wife It would probably help your erections There you go
0: So So you just need the right pitch You're like, hey listen I know that I'm now sleeping here Wired up to machines like an old man But (laughs) my dick's going to be better It's going to be crazy The machine's going to pump a lot of strength down there As long as we're talking about dicks How bad is uh, taking Viagra as a 34-year-old man?
1: I mean, you can do it for fun. I mean, it's basically a, a vasodilator. Right. So the only thing would be is if you would happen to have, say, like a bad heart. Right. And you took it and you didn't, and it, Something happened to your heart, and you went to the hospital. And they're like, "Oh, we're gonna give them nitroglycerin. Well, that would kill you. But,
0: well, you'll end up with like shittier boners sooner in life because no. you cheated the system no, took no, Viagra no. younger. No, it's Great. it's fine. Because Viagra is so good. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. my it's my newest favorite drug. Good. Yeah, you don't even yeah. need the other ones. You're just yeah, like, you yeah, yeah this no, one. this yeah. one's way better. Right. Uh, Andy, any for other? all those nights
1: alone in your room, is that what you're trying uh, to say? Exactly. <laughs> I really right. like to impress myself. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that thing; it's huge. Robbie's just <laughs> all about setting records. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They say no one could watch
2: this much porn. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, how uh, since we're talking talk about sleep and stuff, um, is uh, is eight hours as important as they say?
1: Oh man, you're talking to someone who sleeps about five hours a night. So if I if I had my druthers, I'd get a, I think a good eight hours probably would help. Yeah, and in general, that's 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 the goal. People. Don't they should say shoot you for.
0: need less though as you get older?
1: Well, man, it that depends. So what happens as you get older is you sort of people will say you sort of revert to baby stage. Right. Where you're up and down and up and down like a baby. A baby's awake for a couple of hours, asleep for a couple of hours, awake for a couple of hours, That's asleep for a couple Suck of hours. More yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's why, you know, with the uh, the the baby formula shortage, you know, they're trying to increase the wet nurses, which also helps the elderly.
0: Nice. <laughs> Wait, yeah, all they, the leads are sucking on wet yeah, nurse titties? Yeah, that's
1: right Yeah, you know they have to have a nurse to come and help them change their diapers Oh, right? well, So like, okay. it's I an okay It's a bonus, joke. you missed it I knew there was a yeah, joke in <laughs> there I didn't catch right, uh, it right. right. That's fine And then from work It was there, the <laughs> delivery was off, sorry <laughs> I'm, I'm not a professional like no, you guys No, no,
0: no, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad joke we were, we're so focused on the, me- the medical stuff mm-hmm.
2: No, I'm locked into like, please save my life I don't have time to hear jokes In your practice, amongst, let's just say,
0: like 65 and old Older, like, what percentage of what you're treating are the results of people's lifestyle? Like, what is, like, the consequence of the bad lifestyles? that like Because more often than not, this is what ends up happening. I've had this experience. You have a, a father, grandfather, someone else in your family. Something happens. You're like, oh, shit, I do need to be healthier. But for the most part, it's like everything else. You put it out of, out of sight, out of mind. You're not really thinking of the consequences 30, 40 years from now. We've got bad time preference. So give us the warning. What 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 is coming... At age like, you know, because you see it or maybe it's all genetic. You get skinny people who are.
1: So there's definitely a genetic component, right? There's a genetic component to cancers. There's a genetic component to to kidney disease. Um, There is uh, sometimes a racial component as well. Um, There's um, depending on like how hypertension can affect you. Um, So. The The warning would be that it would be a good idea to clean your shit up right now because I think probably about 80% of what I see could be fixed if you got your lifestyle together. So. And
0: that's even once you kind of see it, there's still an opportunity to put people's oh my habits gosh, are yeah. so ingrained. Yeah, I've
1: had some incredible success stories where people came in and type 2 diabetes is usually a, a disease that you get when you're carrying a few extra pounds. right. Right. And so but and I've had people completely come off their medications, stop everything because they focused hard on diet and exercise and really changed their life. Same thing with cholesterol. Uh, and it it really is. It's it's a celebration. And so one of the things that that I think, you know, again, um, it, you need to have the time to talk the patient through it. You can't just walk in and sit down and. You know, hey, b- high blood pressure take Right. this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And high blood pressure is another thing that you can get under control. Watch your salt intake, all that kind of stuff. So focus on healthy diet. And there's so many different diets out there. And and I mean, my argument for, you know, why there's so many different diets is one, again, it's genetic. So not every diet is going to work for for your particular. Um, ethnicity or your particular genetic history and the other reason why uh there's so many different diets is is sometimes people find one easier to stick to than another so
0: all right your wife left so the vaccine's killing people right yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) everybody
1: everybody died with the vaccine Uh, she is my boss by the way
0: (laughs) while we're on the topic of uh diabetes uh steven our uh non-scientist wonder boy is obsessed with the drug metformin
1: Yeah, and how so?
0: So he believes that uh, for a lot of individuals living an unhealthy lifestyle, even before being diabetic, metformin would actually help your body not process what you're eating into fat, better process it, and that this is the most wild part of his theory is that metformin almost works in the opposite way of testosterone, and so in his opinion, would slow down the aging process because it's like slowing down cell growth i believe i'm giving you the nutshell of what i was able to extrapolate so
1: metformin is a great drug it really is especially if you're a pre-diabetic the problem with metformin is a lot of people can't tolerate it because it gives a lot of people diarrhea so that's my uh, life anyways yeah there you go so it wouldn't (laughs) change but so there is a a long-acting one but yeah i'm a big fan of metformin there's a condition called polycystic ovarian disease and so usually it happens uh, well it happens to ladies um because of the ovaries and Andy Andy, because of his ovaries um do you (laughs) Uh, yeah oh nice that's why Robbie hangs out with you right? that's right yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) sorry um uh I don't know where to go from here okay um so no I I don't have um, Steven, you're non-resident scientist, I don't have enough information. I have to look at what he's talking about. And then,
0: first. but he also does believe that the people, uh, engaging in like the TRT, uh, that that would probably be therapy. advanced cancer and general aging. So
1: testosterone replacement therapy. Yeah. I mean, so if you're taking that, that does have a lot of risk, especially cardiovascular risks is right. one of them. Cancer is definitely another one, um, especially prostate cancer, um, But prostate cancer is a very slow, slow slow-growing cancer, so as long as you catch it in time, it's usually not fatal. You just have to put fingers in your ass, right? That's right, yeah. Actually, if you don't want to do that, you can get an MRI. That's why when you go to the doctor, you always want to look at their hands. Nice small hands.
0: You can right. ask for an MRI instead of having them... Put well, the, your insurance
1: probably wouldn't pay for it, but you can do an MRI of the prostate. And you can also do an, a rectal ultrasound t- to take a look at it. And then so, they have to shove that whole thing up your ass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing you haven't done before. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you why. know, right? I'm just practicing because I, mean, I know... Yeah, I mean, to to you know, doctor. it's fun. And you're and you're and sitting by yourself. Your wife yeah. is out for the evening, <laughs> in my case. And there you're you like, go. huh. I have a... Fun, never mind. I, I have gloves here. Okay.
0: Um. All One right. of these times, yes. I'll tell you a
1: funny story about uh, uh, a brass you. pump machine.
0: All right. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, you, I know, because you live in this p- nice, beautiful Pennsylvania area, you see a fair amount of Amish people. We do. Do they live healthier lifestyles? Is it something that, like, they're not drinking as much and you can see a tangible difference or not really? <laughs> uh,
1: Amish drink. Yeah? Yeah. They have a...
0: But, like, are s- they eating organic or they're just, like, they'll go to the store by hostess with their farm <coughs> money?
1: So, it's really interesting so um i love i love my amish patients um they're some of the sweetest i actually have a wicked sense of humor as well um very dry sort of almost british but even (laughs) drier than that like they'll say something and you won't quite catch it but but they're very 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 funny (laughs) yeah you're you're slick but um they're um your jokes are awesome what are you talking about robbie anyway um they they eat a lot of what I would say would be organic food. Um, that's a whole long discussion, man. But in general, a scam I think or worthwhile? no, 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 no. Um, so I think I think their lifestyle. I mean, they work really, really hard. But there's they're probably also um, might have a little bit of genetic predisposition to some underlying heart disease and um, high cholesterol and things like that. Which so I don't know that they're necessarily. I think the lifestyle is healthy. I don't necessarily know that on mass um, they're a healthier population
0: do you think uh, the, the organic stuff in short is it a scam
1: so, like, the actual label organic, if you're going to a grocery store, that not, does, it, it doesn't nothing. really mean anything. Right. So, like, if you're buying from a farmer that you know, that's far better. So, like, like I said, I told you before, like, you know, one of the benefits of being in family medicine is I know people who have, like, farms and I know where the stuff comes from. And so, and, and a lot of times it ends up being, you know, that, that beef that we're going to eat tonight, that's $6 a pound. Now it's, it, well, it used to be expensive for burger, and right. not anymore, but that's $6 a pound for, like, you know, the prime red. Fed, the good right. stuff. exactly, yeah.
0: Now, Stephen had another, and I, I, I will have Stephen on again. He's I used to put boy. us bo- both yeah. on together and stuff. And Fine, we'll Fine. absolutely. His other yeah. theory, which I thought was fascinating, was that um, within a range, because government has mandated, like, fortifying wheat with vitamins and minerals, that for this, essentially, it's calories in, calories out— And the idea of like you needing to eat your vegetables or needing to eat greens or eating certain things over other within a range, it's kind of a farce.
1: Well, I mean, you can really just take multivitamins if you if you wanted to get down to it. So like like eating greens, eating fruits, eating things like that are probably somewhat healthier for your digestive tract. But again, if you look at it, it's the processing of the food. And they're overprocessed, plus everything else that goes into certain things. So, so when you were talking organic before, I do think that herbicides and pesticides matter. Matter, um, and we can get into a whole long thing about what's what's green and stuff. So, I think eating vegetarian or eating vegan actually might cause more global quote unquote global warming or planetary damage. Right. Unnecessary, I think, whatever. But because of it, all that herbicides, and pesticides. If you look at hot zones and. and uh, like the amount of spillage into waterways from those chemicals is atrocious. So you're like, I think, I think we're meant to eat meat. I think we're here to eat meat. I think we should eat meat.
0: Oh, you're actually saying that um, raising cows is, is right. probably not as bad for the environment as uh, the investment in eating
2: green in the way that it. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. interesting. So, so yeah. cow forts aren't going to kill us. No, I doubt it. Take that, Yang. Yeah, yeah. That's when I knew I didn't like him. He was like, "We might not be able to eat burgers," and I'm like, "He's not getting my vote." <laughs> no, I'm like, I not, know, not at all, that, dude. No. That's a crazy, man. Yeah.
0: All right, two more questions left for the doctor, but let's start with Andy. Was there anything else that you wanted to? Uh...
2: Yeah, there was something I we were talking about, um, just like general knowledge on health, and I'm very curious from like what, like, so if you take the, like, what the average person. Because, like, you, you just see there's such bad, like, eating habits and, and uh, exercise habits and shit and sh- like that for the average American. I always wonder, like, because like, I know for me, it's like I know a lot of info, but I just have such bad habits and I, I just choose to do the wrong thing. But I'm, like, curious. I'm kind of rambling. I'm sorry. I'm kind of curious, like, what's the, like, how far is from what the average American either knows or does is, off, how far are they off from what they should be doing?
1: so the average american so i think um i think some of it i think they're they're far off i think you know we're we're really like susceptible to marketing and so fast yeah. food is quick and easy um and i think the stuff that comes in fast food is not not very good for mm-hmm. people in general so i think if we could focus less on that and focus more on eating healthy and living a healthy lifestyle we'd do far better
2: okay
1: yeah
0: all right and then any other uh general tips that you had for the, the average run your mouth listener, something that general you tips. think they should know from Dr. Krim,
1: something you should know from Dr. Krim. um So I think, okay, so I'll tell you something. So everything is negotiable, right in life. And so even in medicine, it's negotiable. So let's say you go to your doctor and you get a large bill, you could call them up. And, and so instead of getting sent to collections, you could say, look, I can't, I don't have the money to pay this right now. I'll pay you $5 a month right. until it's paid off or like, Hey, I know that this is what the cost is, but I'm sure you don't get that from the insurance company. So can we negotiate the price down? Um, and so that's, that's one of the big trips. And the other thing is, you know, um, I would say go in and get a physical. In, but when you find a doctor, you want to find a doctor that's going to sit down and spend some time with you and ask questions about you. And if they're just throwing pills without sitting down and finding out about you, maybe that's not the right doctor for you.
0: I haven't done a. F- I haven't done a physical in like six or seven years. I do them once a year because of my job, but that's it. Yeah, good for you. Yeah probably do that uh all right and then last question for you i know that uh we've converted you and you're a sheath wearer yeah well, can <laughs> you give the doctor's endorsement for uh, sheath underwear
1: I, it definitely is supportive one of the things that actually can happen is because the pouch and i think i talked to you about this is like one of the conditions especially younger men can get is a condition called testicular torsion okay uh, where the testicle actually twists on itself and dies and so by keeping it secure in that right. nice pouch You know, I don't know that there's any medical data behind it, but my theory would be that it prevents testicular torsion.
0: So if you got a young kid... With flappy nuts, I would say you probably you should wear some sheep. You want to them
1: into some sheep, exactly. So
2: everything's uh, calm and collected. Ooh, I got since yes. uh, since we're talking about balls. Okay, um, no, it, 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 that's it, funny. No matter how old you are,
1: <laughs> I coached soccer for a while, yeah. and you just say the balls, and then yeah, the coaches yeah, right. laugh, the kids laugh. Get uh, the balls. Now I've been on nuts.
2: I feel like nuts is nuts, more fun. Nuts, talk, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that feels like a throwback. We call them, <laughs> but no. I remember when I was a kid, the myth was always that Mountain Dew. Would lower your sperm count. Do you know if there's any truth to that?
1: I don't know, but Mountain Dew shit, man. Why would you drink Mountain Dew in the first place?
2: Reminds you of the good times. <laughs> when, <laughs> the good uh, times. Yeah, we stay out late and Mountain Dew. Run in the fields and uh, I don't you drink my as Mountain Dew. Oh my god,
1: <laughs> that's terrible. Don't drink soda. That's uh, if you want a tip, don't drink your calories. There you like, go. Like don't drink any calories except for like beer every couple. You know, yeah. a couple of beers every once in a while, but like honestly, what about
0: seltzer. I drink a lot of seltzer. Is the carbonation bad oh, yes. at all? No, seltzer's fine. Okay, I yeah. drink really? a lot of seltzer. I'm yeah, big fine. into seltzer. Yeah,
1: yeah, but drinking calories. If you want to lose weight, stop drinking calories. Black coffee and water.
0: Black coffee and water. I drink the occasional Red Bull, but I can get
1: yeah. rid of it. Yep, that that would be my big tip for you. All right,
0: uh, Andy, what do you got to plug? I didn't do a good
2: uh, job introducing you at the top. I just assumed everyone knew you. It's all good. Uh, check out my podcast. Me, uh, Nate Marshall, LaMare Panties in the Mouth, new episodes every <laughs> Thursday on uh, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, all that shit. And then if uh, you want to hear me rant and yell and play video games, twitch.tv slash Andy Malafarina. I go live most Sunday evenings and other random days. I have a lot of fun over there. Please come hang out with me. What about you, Doctor Krim?
1: You want to throw anything out there? Do I want to throw anything out there? Uh, my son uh, has two books out for sale on Amazon. So his name is Duncan J Krim. So he if you him on. up, yeah, he did so, a breakdown
0: of uh, abortions for us. Yeah, what yeah. are his books on?
1: So uh, the one book is sort of uh, an apocalyptic future. Okay, uh, it's it's a great wow. book actually, and the other one is sort of uh, stories he wrote to his fiance when he was in the states and she was in Peru. So, it's a collection now? of poems. No, they're still waiting for her to get a a visa to come here. Oh. So, yeah. He's got to
0: sneak her in. They'll deport you once you sneak in.
1: Yeah, supposedly, but (laughs) But the problem is she's Venezuelan, so if they would find her, she doesn't go back to Peru. She goes back to Venezuela. So we're trying to avoid that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: That'll be a good addition to the uh, hostel that you're running. Yeah, I know. We can't wait to have her here. (laughs) She's
1: incredible. She actually, so I can speak a little bit of Spanish, and we knew she was part of the family because I was trying to talk Spanish to her, and she goes, Ryan, and I said, yes. She goes, You speak Spanish like Dora the Explorer. <laughs> and that was the funniest shit I ever heard. I was like, Fine, you can bust my balls. You're in the family. There you go. Yeah. Is she gorgeous Venezuelan? <laughs> she's, 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 I, just my son's, I no, can't, describe, I can't uh, you comment. Can. Describe every detail. She's an amazingly beautiful woman. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Crims are killing it. All right, yeah. we're
0: calling it there. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.